Good morning. It is Tubishvat morning, the 15th of Shvat, 5783. It is Monday, February 6, 2023. We are on chapter 24. We will re be reviewing the first two sections of chapter 24, which correspond to the 14th and 15th of Shvat, which means that we have finally caught up. Um, just one point on this whole catching up. Uh, process, it's very interesting because there are many who would have potentially suggested that better to just keep pushing forward and go back when you can as opposed to um, walking through it step by step. However, I would take two things, uh, I would offer two things on that particular point. Number one, Given the step-by-step -step process of the Tanya is building up, it would be very hard to skip forward and go backwards. And number two, um, there's a certain persistence that's needed to catch up just as much as there's a persistence to do something every day. And while it's important to do something every day, sometimes things get in the way, and so we have to work with that as best we can. So, with all of that said, let us get into chapter 24 where we now will go to the other side of the conversation. We've been talking about mitzvot and the positive actions and the love of God and the connecting to God and how do we ensure the unit, our attempts at unification with the divine, at least on some soul level, if not on the human level, for the benoni for sure. Now we're going to deal with the opposite problem. What happens if you sin? What happens if you break the rules? Because um, we know, just like there are 248 positive commandments which correspond to the 248 organs of the human body and the divine body, and there's the whole lore of the positive and how each element of what we do connects to another part of God's essence. There are 365 prohibitions that are in the Torah, and there are rabbinic prohibitions as well, and they are not um, actions that are deemed to be part of the God, the divine structure. Now, again, we have to get into all the nitty-gritty details, but the essential point is that there are things that we should avoid doing or not transgressing. And it's through that transgression that somehow, as we're going to see, we separate from God. And how does this work? So he re reiterates and reminds us, we have the following system. We have a divine soul. We have the sitra achar, which is the other side. We have the klipot, which are the shells, which seem to come from these this sort of more negative. It comes from, as we saw, the, the withdrawals and the hiddenness of God. And once, you, once God starts hiding that divine light, there is the room for the non-divine, which is really tools of God as well, which we're going to see here. And then we have the animal soul. And the reason I'm setting up the hierarchy that way, in addition to those are, uh, that's the hierarchy that he sets up, is because when we come to the animal soul, we're going to see that that's the driver of sin. It's not even the sidrach, it's not the klipa, it's not the, it, it's something even baser. Um, for the The, this other side, this shell, this hus, this klipa, these are not things that are part of our body. They are, these are outside of it to an extent, which means that 
they are influenced there is an influence of the divine even on those things. And we've seen that. We've seen the idea that the Yitzhara is really, the evil inclination or the other side are really tools for God to use as part of this process of helping growth. Um, and so there's a distinction between, you know, hear this out, this is interesting, an evil act of the Sitra Achra of this other side is performed only in the service of God. Thus the clipot, these shells that are not clothed in the body, cannot rebel against God's will. It's the animal soul that does it. For presumably the animal soul is so far removed, right, even more removed than this, that it's as if it's not in God's service. Now, of course, there's, a, there's the, the challenging thing is, can anything really be removed? And, and we've gone over this, but how does he understand this? Well, he makes a distinction between two categories of sin. He, there's the sin of idolatry which is the sin of placing another god before god or placing ourselves in that regard um, as being godlike or separate from god that is level one but that's acknowledging that there's some sort of god or quoting from him they regard god as the god of gods and their rebellion is just in the separation so he doesn't say it outright, but it could very well be that he's even trying to argue that, you know, we've talked all along, how do you distinguish between the Benoni and the Russia? The Russia is the one that sins. Well, what kind of sin are we talking about? Nobody's perfect. Even the Tzaddik wouldn't actually be physically perfect. Um, there must be something deeper going on, and, and it could very well be, we could argue that the deepness is here, that if you take the one who is falling because of this quote-unquote avodah this idol worship, this idea of a separateness from God, it might be different than the one who makes the mistake for the second reason which we're going to present in a moment, which is the notion of you make a mistake because you have some sort of spirit of folly that comes upon you. Um, and he learns this out from the Talmudic discussion in the beginning of Masechet Sota, which will be the next tractate in Dachyomi after we get through Nazir, where we'll see this, which is about right a woman who's suspected of adultery. It says that by the um, it it says that how does this happen? It's a spirit of folly. There's something that got them in the moment. It's like they were caught up. So what is this caught up in the moment? It can't be anything that's getting the light of God, right? So we've talked about how, right, there are gradations of the light of God. So if the Sitra Achra, if the, if the Yetzirah is not is still connected to this light of God, then that's not where the folly is going to be. The folly is going to be in a place that's so far removed, it's as if it does, there's total concealment. And where would you find total concealment? So for the author Rebius, he's set this up throughout the book. It's the animal soul. It's this. It's that left ventricle spot. And so, this folly actually has a stronger pull than the idea that God is not, that, that we're not all united as one. But, 
the spirit of folly can't overcome God, right? So, right, nothing can overcome. Or to so to quote, it envelops the divine soul up to but not including its faculty of chachma, right? So it can get all the way up there. Because the divine light that is closed in the faculty of chachma, because of the divine light that is cl closed within. In other words, there's something. It, it is the divine. It can't touch the divine. It can get all the way up to. So for the Alter Rebbe, that means that if I commit a minor sin, and it's not just out of the sense of, right, there's no God, but it's really just coming from a base desire, like I meant, like the animal desire, it is only then that I have reached this new level. Right, so idolatry is not good. This isn't to to, to say the, the the other notion of the arrogance and the idol and the, the self, not the the non nullification of the self is a good thing. It's to suggest instead there's a deeper problem. When you get to that point, every if you if you are sinning out of not this sort of rebellion but this folly, then you've lost your humanness. And he's very harsh in this. He says a couple of things. One, you're less than a gnat. The Talmud says in Sanhedrin that when a person sins, the person's told a gnat preceded you. So if you think about the order of creation, there's this debate about the order of creation. Why is human humanity created last? On the one hand, it's God's grandest creation. On the other hand, it's to say that in this event that a person sins, you see, everything else was created before you. Don't think you're so high. You were the last thing on the list. Right? You could say last but not least, but last thing on the list. And so, in essence, right, by sinning through the spirit of folly, you have now shown your um, true self. Now, the other part to this makes the second point. It says, ah, and we also know another thing. If you break from God and you lose that humanity, then the fear and dread of the beast on the earth um, will no longer be there. Or as it says, in, again, in that same place in Sanhedrin, a wild beast will never defy a human being unless the beast, the human appears to it like an animal. So when we have fallen so far, that takes us out. And I think... Again, he didn't say it yet. He might say it in the next piece, but I think this leads to us making the argument of what is this Russia and what is the Benoni? Maybe the Benoni is the one who's sinning, but not out of a sense of rebellion, or not of a sense of folly, but a sense of, like, it's hard to see God in the world. And so we're struggling at all times where the Tzaddik is always going to see God in the world. And then we could argue that the Russia is the one who never sees. We can make that argument. It's possible. Um, I think we have to let this develop some more. But as we see from this, from these two pieces of chapter 24, we're setting up now how a person can live a human life and be considered a Benoni and not considered a Russia. At least, again, if I'm reading it through those eyes. Um, I think when we think about the challenges that we face, I think if we take this outside the realm of the language he uses and just think about challenge in, in the whole... When we allow the 
when we allow the naysayer systems in our in our in ourselves to take control, we lose that sense of humanness. The humanness is a very powerful sense. Um, I think we lose it. I don't know how to describe it better, but I could just speak. I'll speak from my own right experience. The, you know, those days of those those down days of life, we feel like we don't have control. We're not making good choices. We're not making good decisions. And we don't feel that sense of, I am in the image of God in those moments. We, we feel these other things, failure, unworthiness. Versus those other times where when we feel that humanness, we feel that strength, we feel that connectivity, we feel that love, that that hope. And so I think his point here is that as we're trying as we're building this place of growth, yes, the work is to do, but the work is also to find the ways to be mindful of the things that might be harmful to us. And through that mindfulness of avoiding the harmful, we maintain the the dignified human that we want to be of ourselves. So with that, I want to wish you all a wonderful day, uh, a wonderful Tubishvat. It's it's a Tubishvat's an interesting holiday, but it, it's really like the mid part of it's the midpoint of the winter. It's the new year of the trees. This day we actually start a certain cycle counts, but more importantly, it's it's the day that the trees are known in to start sprouting or they're around. And it's really the sign that the winter is going to come to an end at some point. It's almost like, I wouldn't call it Groundhog's Day. It's a few days off usually. But it's the same concept of, oh, six more weeks of winter. Which we don't need a groundhog to tell us. Um, but more importantly than that, it's, a re- it's the beginning of a renewal. And the renewal comes from the sprouting that hopefully will blossom. We don't know. But we celebrate the moment of the sprouting just as much as we're going to celebrate down the road the moments of the blossoming of the seed. So... I hope that today brings you that perspective and um, I look forward to our continued journey together.